Monday, August 1st, 2022. This is Skywatch. Sweating profusely every day, except we've had a great monsoon. Because we're sky watching every day. We every day. Source and downloads from source knowledge and bringing it to you to let y'all know that it's okay to say what you see around you and observe and report, whether it's good or bad. Whoever it upsets, it's important to get the word out. Thank you all for joining us again. Um, if you've gotten this far, you really love the sound of one of our voices, or you're really <laughs> interested in what we kind of mentioned, or you're, you know, incredibly attracted to just our faces, and that's okay, too. Um, well, you all guess... heard a lot about me last week, and let's just jump right back into our co-host to know him a little bit better, and then get into all the incredible journey we have laid out for the time to come. Yeah, thanks a lot, Shaw. Uh, I'm just out here, like, literally outside right now, enjoying hearing the way the chachadas make the sound, because I'm just constantly at work outside, looking up in the sky, absorbing it all in every day, and I've just been, it's amazed how I've been in the right places at the right time, like when I travel to visit you in Dallas, just the journeys that I've been on the way and the pictures that I've been able to capture of the sky and what's going on and how it all correlates. Because most of the time, I believe, we're just in our own cities or we only get a chance when we're outside of work or a little bit of time today to look up, which is just a fraction of the time. Wouldn't you say? I would say that, definitely. Uh, people do not have the time, talent, or capacity to take a gander up from their lives, you know, with any of their eyes to see what people may or may not be doing against them. Uh, you know, I was, among all the research that I was doing for the show, I, I came across a veteran who was working operations in Vietnam and talked about how he remembers seeing planes putting up the same grid lines out there and asking questions about what's going on, being told that there's weather manipulation taking place in order to disrupt the enemy supply lines. In that region that they were fighting in Vietnam, basically the, the enemy was guerrilla warfaring us, and in order to combat them, we literally put their whole ecosystem in jeopardy, and I'm pretty sure that they're still strong populations just so we could well, not in counting in Cambodia alone I think I've just recently saw that there's still over one million active landmines throughout that country from that and that's they had nothing to do with the war <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, they had the misfortune of being next door. Next door. But uh, a little bit more about you. Where are your dreams? Well, my dreams have actually taken me all over the place, and I've actually not say I've accomplished the dreams that I thought I was trying to accomplish, but they were dreams because uh, I've literally taken this journey and was on a materialistic hunger for a long time and wanting to have more than others and be part of this uh, society. And then as I was on my journey in Scottsdale, Arizona, Hollywood, Atlanta, I started noticing it was just all a facade. Those that had the most necessarily weren't the happiest. Uh, The women that wanted them didn't want them. It was just a whole, it was just a whole escapade I started to notice. And so I, started turning myself away from those things. I met you as long as one of those things. And uh, I found somebody else that I could actually experience, uh, talk to about my experiences, which it was very hard to for a long time because you can't talk about certain things to people because everybody's been uh, brainwashed to go against the grain. Uh, Everybody's supposed to go in herds like sheep. The whole point is to divide and conquer, keep groups separate, keep this group, this group, and this group, this group, not liking each other. So never they'll come together and come against us. Uh, you've seen it happening with the truck drivers out in Canada, right? In the Quebec area, they uh, protested and made some big wakes, but you didn't see that on the news. And then I heard, I was watching recently, uh, I was watching a really good documentary called Pandemic War, Pandemic and Plague. One of the, something like that. And, it basically kind of goes along with everything we've been talking about, how they've been going against the farmers and the truck drivers of this country and the inflation and food costs and how Bill Gates is the largest landowner in the United States and is out trying to take right now. Actually, he's the Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation is the front runners in this new thing that's going on. I, uh, the Netherlands, the, the Netherlands mm-hmm. farmers are all uprising right now because basically they're trying to the government is trying to take away their farmland and turn it into big business. And right behind it is your favorite, the Gates Foundation. Gates Foundation and, you know, my favorite woman. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Making sure that protesters get crushed, the slaves starve, and, you know, the New World Order comes about smoothly. That's their, that's their agenda. That's their goal. Yep, so there's no one to blame, so there's never any finger to go back out. So where where are you from? Oh, where am I from? Like, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, born and raised. Tolleson, like roots, where my family's from? Yeah. Like, no, like, so are, did your parents come, or not parents, it would be like... Well, my mom is born and raised like here. Great, great, great grandfathers, did they come oh, from okay. Mayflower? Okay, no. <laughs> Well, my mom's dad, oh, my, my great-grandfather would have been born in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, but the area around Arizona were, like, when this was Mexico. So, and wow. uh, my, yeah, so we're come from a long line of indigenous. My grandfather is really dark. He's part Yaqui Indian, which is part of the Okahona tribe area. So there's five tribes from the Phoenix, New Mexico area, like Apaches, Navajo, uh, Zuni and stuff like that. So I come from a lineage of that. Uh, and then when my father's side, he came from my grandfather's father came from Belgium right after World War One when the country got destroyed. 
pretty much, and landed in Detroit. Dad came here, met my mom, and he died when I was about 12. But ever since then, I've been, you know, on my own out here in Phoenix with my, my mom's side of the family. So I was raised pretty Hispanic. Hispanic. Did you have a religious upbringing? Yes, I did. I was raised 100% Catholic. I went confirmed myself, uh, all those things. I turned away from religion for a while. Like I used to have these really crazy dreams where like I was never running from the devil. I was fighting the devil. And I realized, I was like, oh man, maybe because I go to church that I'm having these dreams. I don't want to have these dreams. I would have sleep paralysis. And I just stopped. And then I just went on a thing about materialism, money. But I did have a great heart more than most in the in. The, than anybody else and i just started realizing what's important is relationships and i just have been nurturing those relationships i've made over these years i'm 35 now and i've just been keeping strong relationships with anywhere i've lived across this country with people and what i really love about uh what you just said you gave a very incredible vivid description and picture about how environments can affect and essentially, you know, um, dictate your psychic energy and therefore, you know, your life, um, how you're saying that you were going to church and having dreams involving the devil and stuff like that. But then whenever you stopped going, the dream stopped. Yes. So, um, it's very, very understood by, um, the architects of our society that what, we spend our time doing right like what we put in front of our faces what we put into our senses what the inputs are what what we download into our psyche subconscious whatever you want to call it will influence the next subsequent moments like when church is done you're influenced outside of it or when you're sleeping you're having dreams based on what they told you in church they are societal architectures understand how easily we are programmable it's and that's kind of like why i wanted to bring it up um is you have a very uh incredibly wealthy and rich spiritual experience um it's oh i still do especially recently no yeah like, recently that's it's part of more it that's part intense. of it like that's what i mean like um most people are, you know, born indoctrinated and um, kind of like what I mentioned in the last uh, in our first episode that, you know, so many people's experiences are just ordinary and traditional, you know, Absolutely. and, and people who have diverse experiences um, like ourselves need to come out about it and, you know, start letting other people know that. The matrix and the veil that they've been presented with their whole life is not only like pierceable or shatterable, but completely subvertible. You know, you can Ooh. you can completely live outside of it and have nothing to do with it. You know, war in Ukraine could mean should mean nothing to you. You know, it's yes. psychic warfare. They they will announce and slaughter people that look like you on TV so that your psychic subconscious experience will be manipulated to help them. 
not helped. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you come closer right? in that Venn diagram of people. It comes down to what race are you? What religion are you? What group? You know, it breaks down into smaller groups. And the larger group that you can make would be race. And like Ukraine makes it really easy for that, for Washington. Or in general, it's just the war of the day. They have six or seven that are cooking up. Or they're adding the herbs and spices. and well, sending I got weapons. a bunch of that to talk about today. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, I, I mentioned last week that I just have like a little poem and um, something a little bit of a current event. Um, okay. But the month's already up. So which one would you like to hear about? The poem or? Uh, Let's hear about the um, poem. All right. Yeah, yeah. So. I think this is really uh, prevalent, especially for Skywatch. Out here, we're all about um, looking up and pointing out how we may or may not be under attack, um, who's doing it, and it's we incredibly are. important. Um, and if we don't know who, we can't necessarily call it an invasion, because if it's us doing it to ourselves and we're not being invaded, we're being uh, dismantled. Dismantled, manipulated, um, sabotage. There's a lot of words, but depending on who it is and what it is, context matters. I'm gonna Absolutely, context is so important. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what we're... Um, why we're here in the first place. Yes. Um, we both have, well, I can attest to how when we were roommates 2020 and we were both living out there, they were not spraying it this badly. They were not doing it every day. They were, um, it wasn't noticeable. I, I was going on walks all the time because um, I needed some privacy in that home to have some phone conversations to like put back home and things like that about like, um, especially towards the end, like I was only out uh-huh. there for six months. It was like the throes of the pandemic. So um, I, I don't know if you remember or not. Yep. So there wasn't exactly privacy when it came to like landlord matters. Oh, absolutely so, not. Especially, so remember, I shared a door that was like right between. Uh, yeah, our, our privacy of that house was very minuscule. I was like, kind of like how we still do, right? How, how we talk about how we're out there, like looking at the sky a lot. Um, back then, too, I was the only privacy I would have is taking a walk and getting on the phone, you know, to call home and talk about like what's going on in the house and like talk about like whether I'm going to come home or not, you know, with the parents and stuff like that, with, with the COVID going around and the family. Especially you're probably speaking was, another language in our other house. People didn't understand that. Uh, I could have done that, but I don't speak it fluently, so I couldn't have done that. <laughs> I'd have to switch to English eventually. Um, but, yeah, so they've – they were – the point I'm bringing up is just that, like, I did witness it a couple of times. Um, I would confidently say that, you know, you were still one foot in that very materialistic lifestyle you were talking about. Yep. So I don't think you were so noticeable of it. No, I didn't really give but, a shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's – but um, now fast forward to today or more recently, like as of last week where we're launching this thing and want to talk about it. Uh, I think it's important to bring up some context about how um, 
what what maybe some people before us have commented on about a similar subject. So to introduce some context about the whole discussion about sky watching and um, holding your tax takers accountable, uh, there's this poem from 1970 by somebody named Jill Scott Aaron okay. called Whitey on the Moon. Ooh. And from, <laughs> from our I think I know where this is going. Over at Rap Genius, um, they have for some reason Rap Genius has a um, page about this poem from 1970. So I'll read I'll read the about section really quick. So in this piece about the first moon landing, Aaron expresses his unhappiness at having his taxes dedicated to bringing people to the moon while he and all other black Americans are held captive in poverty due to racist government policies. He uses his sister's condition to emphasize the neglect that people are suffering, while society uses the nation's wealth to make expensive journeys into space. And it goes as follows. We have a poem here. It's called Whitey on the Moon. It was inspired by some whiteys on the moon, so I want to give credit where credit is due. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. The man just up my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week with Whitey on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. Junkies, junkies making me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that shit wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arm began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. Was all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon? How come I ain't got no money here? Hmm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my fill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send my doctor bills, airmail air special, to Whitey on the moon. Sorry. Uh, all I was about to say is, it just reminded me of like watching like the good times or something like that. or You know what I mean? And he, the, 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 the dad just making this like poem at the table by himself while he's thinking about everything going wrong in his house and the projects. That's just the idea it's, stere- in my head. it's stereotypical and uh cliche right to, yes um to force people you're subjugating into like song and poetry right because like you're you've you've created such conditions to like where literally the only freedom that they have is the freedom of expression and not even actual expression it has to be like covered up in some kind of song or some kind of productive thing that you know it it can't come off as like oh you're being subversive or something like that you have to be singing you know what i mean it has to be singing as weird as it sounds it's the only way to do things is like poetry and song and play yeah like whenever whenever you're being subjugated right yes like and in like uh impossible conditions we see it um made fun of all the time where People, well, 
the people being discriminated against and things like that just have to like all they can do is just like sing or something like that and it's like made a joke of but it's made a joke of because it's probably again one of the most effective and incredible acts of rebellion and resistance you can do like using the frequency of your voice to project some kind of sorrow or something to anybody who may be listening because if you do try to act out um or defend yourself or um you know go out of the line because the line you're operating under doesn't give a shit about you then all you can do is you know sing clap your hands or hum like it's really dark but um absolutely that's um and i particularly like about how um <laughs> they mentioned the cost of food is going up and a hundred thousand percent this hundred thousand percent is exactly what's going on right now when fuel rises prices costs rise up so do the cost of food inflation basically on the same path we're on now to kill off the poor with no food, well, with a hungry stomach Absolutely. Like, and I think it's really important to say that, and this is exactly like why I brought up a poem that's almost what, 50 years old now, right? Yep. Um, think about in 1970, again, when we were sending people to the moon and stuff. Um, Apollo missions, you know, Saturn V rockets. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, but Just also, look at the, names. The, height, the height of the Cold War. And in my opinion, it was a propaganda war. It yeah, was, but it was a complete. It was a complete psychological warfare operation, like war without anybody ever firing a shot, a, an yep. economic war, like yep. complete total propaganda, psyop, whatever you, whatever word you want to use. But, but I will say this: I looked short, into. Oh. Go ahead. I was trying to say real quick is that I was part of my thing that I was trying to talk what's going on with that Bill Gates thing and stuff is that Mao and this is a perfect time to bring it up is Mao and Stalin both did this where they took away the farmers because farmers are their own type. They're their own breed of people. Farmers don't necessarily rely on society. Like society relies on farmers. So one of the biggest things that they try to always do is remove the farmers is what Mao did to get the, the, the PLA going on. It's what uh, Stalin did to take order. And it's what America's trying to do now with our farmers. And they haven't been shy about it. Uh, Bill Gates, my boy, Billy G's, Billy, Billy Gazillions, G? Billy Gazillions. Uh, he's, you know, you got to be able to read between the lines. Um, he'll get, he got on stage with this TED talk talking about how public health will help reduce the population of the world. So it's it reading between the lines of that whole symposium or talk, and then living in the present five years after that seeing him achieve that goal of population reduction in so many different ways, you know, him acquiring all the farmland is how, you know, he wasn't telling his whole plan, but he did kind of mention that his end goal is population reduction. And he will Let me ask you a question. Where did he get several Okay, I'll ask you a few questions here. Where did Bill Gates get his get his playbook from? Yeah, um, so I I try to not put these people on pedestals. Yeah. That's what they love. They love 
um, being recognized for their money and their power and their achievements. And what are all these people going to say? Oh, we're all self-made. I think I think the only self-made person was Jesus. <laughs> and I don't even think uh, he was self-made. conception. Uh, yeah, but you know. Oh well, yeah, I get now. I get it. That's pretty funny from you. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> um, but and so it's important to remember that when talking about anybody, we come from society. We we come from our parents and. Kind of like tying it back to like the religion and how it all influences our psychic energy and the things we do outside of it. Um, so Bill Gates uh, has, you know, the tism. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, basically been um, a special, like, what if he was born in an inner city to somebody else, right? They would have... Um, had him in special ed and like probably in juvie for acting out and lashing out and like, um, you know, being angry and aggressive. They're no different than him back then. Just now they have Fortnite. Yeah. Now it's all normalized and stuff like that. So they can all yes. sit in the class together and stress out teachers even more. Uh, trying to get at was where Bill Gates isn't some in, in ge, uh, genius where he came up with all this mastermind plan. He's got his playbook from people of the past, such as the Rockefeller Foundation and all these that have given right. him what so, to do. But so uh, his environment and his society that raised him, right? His parents, that's very important to look into. Um, I would love to see what the research people come up with, right? Like, and try to propose and then that's how we'll come up with the truth together like we could obviously spout off what we know but this is a good opportunity to do some like collective research with um, our audience and co-create and find out what is what right because someone out there needs to know but if we just like talk about and shove our opinions down people's throats about this stuff you know what i mean people people get turned off so i definitely know you know what i know about bill gates's parents and his family and his jobs and all this and all the disgusting people he roams with and things like that and it's all available to other people too but what a lot of people just think is that you know they're just some nice wealthy people who you know and he's a computer science guy and he just had problems in school, so he dropped out of college and then did a startup in his garage, and that was Microsoft, and the rest is history. It's a lot darker than that. Um, his parents are basically uh, board members and investors, um, what we would now call OGs, corrupt, corrupt business magnets, uh, investing a lot of money, running companies. Because, again, um, the parents of Bill Gates were, you know, in their wealth, in their, like, peak wealth and things like that during the World Wars, right? So Mm. that'll give you some kind of idea as to what kind of corporations and things like that that parents are invested in. So if my memory serves me right, um, I'm pretty sure Bill Gates' mom was on the board of IBM um ibm is a german company of one of one of the legacy german companies which again if companies in germany that were that have survived 1940s uh that's a red flag (laughs) yeah (laughs) that way (laughs) 
So if you don't know about um, Volkswagen and if you don't know about Mercedes, then there's a of all of these of all the corporations, there's a there's an elevator company and I can't remember the name of it. Tyson Krupp or something like that. They're, I don't know the name of it, but I do know what you mean. I and I and there's another even big one, the one the BMW family too has another group. Yeah, dude, Bavarian Motorworks. But they are they have been bought out, I think, by Volkswagen. Yes. Or I don't know if that could be different that. now. But um yeah, because they they've bought out so many companies, dude. Like I think I'm pretty sure Lamborghini is also a Volkswagen company now. Like that's how it's crazy how that works. It's like the shadow money. It's a whole bunch of shell investors and they buy into one thing and technically they have nothing to do with some of these little companies they bought, but they have everything to do with them. So that nobody has to take responsibility. Dude, my very first corporate job was like in a company that was like eighth time, like bought out in the last 10 years. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Like I it's just to get lost in a maze. Uh, it's, it's to perpetuate the system of, right, where we perpetuate the economy based on realizing debt and interest payments can be considered like future income type of stuff like that. Uh, I know we still got a little bit of time, but I wanted to, what is your guess on if nancy pelosi tomorrow she's supposed to arrive in taiwan and you know the chinese have <laughs> vowed to shoot that plane down or to have a blockade that nancy pelosi is not getting on to taiwan but nancy pelosi i don't hear nothing from joe biden but I've, what is he gonna say but nancy pelosi says she's going i just saw her today this that's why so what are your guess on the 50 50 let's take a guess by the time we have our next visit to see if she actually shows up I don't think she's going to go. I, you know, it's, it's such an inch. I could talk about this for hours. Me too. That's what I want to say. Let's make our guests. So before, because by the time we talk next, it's going to be done either or done or not done. No, I mean the, the very short, um, boring answer that's completely not entertaining at all, but is real life is that Taiwan doesn't matter at all. It doesn't. Yeah. So basically, uh, they're trying to get us all scared and afraid about semiconductors. And they're saying that, oh, Taiwan manufactures 90% of the world's semiconductors. And it's it's garbage. Like, it, the headline is garbage. Like, mm-hmm. the headline is psychic warfare. Against and the PLA. Uh, I mean, against us. You, you know, all the Shahs and Chris's of the world and then all the sheep. Mm-hmm. And it's attempting to retrain our minds and our mindsets it's it's trying to get us hooked into the circus mm-hmm. and it works but then they will be saying some shit like oh my god and i'm so afraid if taiwan gets attacked then world war three will break out yeah i'm like let them have it <laughs> yeah exactly and just being anti-war right yeah um this shit isn't new they've been running this war game our whole lives and, and I was born in 1993, and um, when I was in the ninth grade, uh, I was there was a refugee student from Bosnia, and you know she woke me up to about how Bill Clinton was waging wars in 1993. So like, um, 
Yeah, yeah he was. There's, been, there's actually non- my, one of my best friends. You met him. Uh, he's an immigrant. He came all the way from this country through Germany and everything. But he's actually from uh, where was my friend from Albania? From he was mm-hmm. in Kosovo when that all happened. Exactly. Was Serbia at the house. Kosovo exactly. And uh, he told me that in downtown Kosovo, there's actually a statue of Bill Clinton in like the size of the Statue of Liberty. Maybe not wow. that tall. But he said there's a big, giant statue of Bill Clinton in downtown Kosovo. That's that's chilling. And, you know, I, that I was, over there. That was about that. Christians and Muslims killing each other again over there in that part of the country, too. <laughs> and yeah, America no, coming was, to save the... <laughs> yeah, that was a... And they also add on that it's part of the strategy to have people fight each other because, naturally, after they're done fighting, they realize that, like, they're still having, they're still controlled. Um, but because they just spent a lot of time, people, money, blood, sweat, and tears fighting the other sheep just now, they don't have the resources to be able to combat the real power. That group literally impoverishes itself, right, for generations because they just fought a stupid useless war against people that weren't actually doing anything to them and then nobody has any more fight left in them for generations because they because they saw the they saw that the the every single the the terrors and how all the losses so at this point like people get comfortable where they're at even in my own household like the fear of what could be worse outweighs what could be better that's the generational trauma how you carry trauma in your like in your Cells. subconscious like as deep as you want to go from your parents every i think as far as back in your genealogy every single thing that any ancestor has ever gone through is somewhere found in your dna i'm sure yes but this is this is exactly why they cut off like the the hands of slaves who don't produce enough in front of the other slaves like and this is why they kill certain people of certain ages but it's all about doing it in front of other people to like show those surviving people that like you can't fuck with us. Like to bring it all the way back to like well, the poem and actually, some of the first quick. things we talk about that like if you do anything other than sing, we'll slit your throat. <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, well, but you're going on exactly lines of something happened to me actually yesterday where I was going on. Oh, yeah, they were showing how. The museum warfare works. How like China funds all these anti-Japanese museums all through the South Pacific, uh, in Thailand and whatnot. And America does all these anti-Nazi ones and Germany ones. Uh, it's that depending on where they're at. So that actually, mm-hmm. that even after the generations are over, they're making movies and holding museums to keep that generational fear and anxiety. So it depends on where the museums are located. Yeah, a lot. It depends on where the museum. Like the Chinese have, they so they had this big old uh, award ceremony in China for all these people that they thought had good museums, and basically all the museums that they had were against the Japanese. Uh, what they did in World War Two. China is a very blatant, in-your-face yeah. version of this psychological warfare that I'm talking about, and I'm going to be referencing probably for the rest of this podcast in my life, honestly, because yes. um, it's so prevalent. Well, I saw like somebody for views, obviously retelling the story about um, how two bankers in China 
stole some money. Wow. Um, used Sounds it to gamble. Oh. It's, I mean, it's a pretty typical story. That's a pretty typical Chinese um, story. <laughs> well, yeah, not, not human. Human nature, yeah, right? Story. But one guy who worked at a Chinese bank um, stole some money, put it on a bet, and won. That I just made like 150k. I'll just try it again. But he didn't win the next time, so a lot of money's missing. He starts trying to rope in like his supervisor, um, but instead of telling him that the money's missing, he says that he's winning. Guess what happens the third time? This guy attempts it with his supervisor. He loses for even more stolen money. They both lose. Yeah. Yeah. And then but now they both go down. Yeah, so now a lot of money ends up being missing, and more employees are suspicious, and the authorities end up finding out, and guess what their punishment is? Another company. No, they're taken out back and shot. Really? Yes, capital punishment. Oh, it's not like America where you, but, where you fail and you is, steal it. But, it's not like America where this, you steal everybody's money and you, and you, get, and you get another company? Right, and also this is how, like, Every single employee will snitch on somebody else, like at the drop of a hat, because again, like they're shown. No, they're sh- yeah, they're traumatized ex- by that execution. How they did the it's Spanish like, Inquisition? It's in their face. It's in their face, like how you burn witches steal money because like they'll fucking shoot you. <laughs> like what they did with witches, they burned all those witches yeah. and people they thought just to show that oh, you better never play with magic or read the Bible, or we'll kill you. Exactly. Yes, a hundred percent. It's it's um, and then it traumatizes for generations without and without education. Oh without, yeah, when you hear stories about your grandparents being tugged away and your grandfather shot in front of your grandmother, like that sets mm-hmm. people back. Yeah, you you said you have native roots, right? Yeah. Um, damn, if people don't know what's happened to Native Americans in America yet, um, then you really need this podcast. <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I can go. I, that's going to be a whole other show about how just what's going on with the Chinese, with the Uyghurs. Basically, that's a play out of America. Indian, what we're, what China's doing to the Muslim population is exactly what the Americans did to the Native American population. No difference. And and, and, what, and the Canadians, and what Arabs, and what Arabs did to a- Africans right before that. Right. Yes. Um, this is. It's a very. Dude, and, and I can't believe you asked that question, right? Like, where does Bill Gates get this idea from? These six, we're talking about at least since the 1600s. I feel like I feel like ever since the French Revolution, this has been in play. When they separated church from state, and you know, like when they opted street. Ever since they got the Catholic Church out the game, which is I, I'm okay with. Don't get me wrong, but ever since then, things have gone. It's been able for the elitists to be able to have more power. Even though that it was one, the, the Catholic Church was another group of elitists that were in power. Just another <laughs> way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that. That maybe should be another kind of organizational chart that I start working on. Right, yeah. like I'm. I've been working on about how uh, how many ways we're attacked. Should uh-huh. probably work on how many different factions of power there are. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we should. Who other. could who could absorb who would absorb the vacuum in these cases of power? Because that is actually probably pretty scary. Because it's not always going to be the first, second, or even third. Exactly. Like um, the the world is flat to these people. It and... is a risk board. That's my favorite game. You know, I play three games a day online. 
<laughs> that's how I know how these motherfuckers think because I think the same way. <laughs> I just have a heart. Yeah, it's yeah, likewise, and the the conscience to say no because for whatever for all the reasons, right? We've waited our whole lifetimes to start this and to start putting it out, but for whatever reasons in our own lives, like money isn't everything. The the decisions that you're presented with. The Kadma. Um, to wind it down, man, uh, you know, there's some community housekeeping things that I could talk about. Um, there's a whole other thing that I had that I wanted to talk about. Um, how about you? Phoenix, because it's been, they've been going so hard and we've had such really bad. Uh, uh, like, in the desert. Wow. Yes. Flooding. Yeah, yeah, that definitely needs. Yeah, we could talk about that next thing and we could talk, you know, fill it up, fill up the next episode with that. Yeah, that's... with weather manipulation, all things are possible. Yep. Um, and we're here to fight it, and we're fighting it by starting a community of like-minded people. I will apologize again for the second week in a row for not having um, any of that up and ready yet, but um, it's going to come up eventually. We'll have a we'll have our community, we'll have our producers, we'll have our post-production credits available to support us and to keep this work going. Um, we'll take some time to discuss our different options about what's what and where we're going to go, what you guys want to hear about, what you, what all of you all want to hear about. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode. Please come in for more. Uh, we'll have links to all of our observations, to our Instagram and other communities where we're posting direct evidence and other points that we'd like to bring up and y'all can follow live when we're going to be live and coming up with the schedule all in good time is there anything else you'd like to add our instagram will be the best place right now to get live footage of what we're talking about we got a lot of great stories and posts of actually what we're speaking of so it give you a better idea when you come on next time to listen uh exactly what we've been what we're kind of seeing with our own eyes as well and what we're all about, thank you so much for joining me again this week, Chris. Um, always a blessing to walk this earth and communicate with other people that know what's good in front of them and what is not. <laughs> work on that. And, and for us to have some, train some true gnosis here, I thank you. I feel the same way. Uh, very much gratitude for you to take the time. And you made that awesome intro we got now. Yes, shout out to the producer. I need to get his credits, and I don't want to shout him out in a way that he doesn't want to receive it, you know? So I'm still waiting on him to send me some of his links. Um, and also, you know, kind of helping him, telling, giving him the what's what about okay. this whole media production game. Kind of like what I mentioned last last week, you let me take the reins on this. Um, not that I wanted it or anything, but I know how. Um <laughs> As a producer, yeah. media producer, getting things off the ground, getting people accredited, most importantly, getting people paid. So yeah. if anyone needs help with that, um, my links are in my bio, like on here and Colin. And also, I'm putting my producer name on this podcast. So if anyone needs help with that, wants to reach out and have something of their own started for any of your time, talent, or treasures, just... Be brave, be bold, lean on your experience. Um, try not, try to understand that as 
weird or ordinary or dislikable you may think it is, it your real life begins on the other side of that fear. So with one eye on the sky and two eyes on real life, thank you.